A gender-based violence survivor in Papua New Guinea says Pacific governments have a lot to prove in the fight against violence. The UN's annual international campaign against gender-based violence ended on December 10th on Human Rights Day. According to the New Zealand Council for International Development, the Pacific region has one of the highest recorded rates of violence against women and girls globally, with two out of three women subjected to physical and or sexual violence in their lifetime. Hena Joku, a freelance journalist and gender-based violence advocate, told Lydia Lewis it's an issue that is rampant in PNG. This is an issue that's worldwide, but for a lot of us, uh, a lot of the conversation is always hidden behind culture. It is not cultural, and that's why, because of that cultural attachment to it, it's a taboo topic. And so people still look at it as a domestic issue and a marital issue, and so having that conversation openly, it's still not happening enough. So what like, will these changes do? I think it's going to, it, it will force the governments to realise how much of a pandemic it is, as much as climate change is and the other issues that we are facing, like for Papua New Guinea specifically. And I think each of our Pacific countries, to a degree, if you can just tackle gender-based violence by default, you will automatically be addressing the other issues that come with it. And we need to be celebrating our culture, not attaching it, you know, to GBV. Mm. Our ancestors and forefathers didn't live like this. And I think when the incidents used to happen previously, it was something that was addressed by the village or by the community. Whereas now a lot of the focus is, I see, on intimate partner violence. I've been here only seven days and I've had four cases I've had to communicate with back in PNG, people needing help. And, you know, basics. What do, and it's that access to information again, I think that's, that's the simplest thing. And so somebody called to say, hey, how do I go to FSBU and report something? Um, how do I get my niece the help she needs because she's 19? And I've just found this out. I live in Australia. She's in Papua New Guinea. So it is so critical to keep sharing uh, the networks and information that we have because the process is basic in going to the police station with the enforcement bit in how it's going to go into the judiciary space, committal court, going on to national court. And so if we as a region really just <clears throat> face and accept that it is a pandemic and together, okay, what's going to work? And I think this, you know, this revitalization of this <clears throat> declaration is so critical at this time because this this issue and not having the equal representation at forum level as well um, can can our leaders make sure this issue is something that is prioritized and we're not going to wait another couple of years again. And I think by revitalizing it, we're going to hold each other accountable and then set maybe smaller measures on what have we achieved after a year or what have we achieved after two. Because when you look at things as a whole and we look at the whole 2050 thing, strategy, some of these leaders may not be here. And so it is so important to make sure our young people, our youth space are understanding what this is all about because they're going to carry on the conversations. It's exciting that, you know, we have these three youth voices here with us right now for this. So while we're all focused with the mainstream media and using our online platforms, they're focused on just the youth space. 
And that peer-to-peer conversation is so critical because a lot of youth will not necessarily listen to the elders, but they'll listen to each other and influence each other, I think, at a greater rate and speed of influence than we could in wanting to tell them what to do. It's like, hey, these are the issues. And a lot of the issues they're adopting into their generation now. And so we have to be fixing our systems and our laws, changing what needs to be changed at national level in our own countries that filters down to, you know, local level, community and district level, village level. But it has to happen here. And it, it has to happen both ways, you know, bottom up and top down. Why is this so important to you? You don't have to say if you don't want to but I would like to give you the opportunity if you would like to. So speaking out and being a voice um, against violence that's happening to women and girls is because of my own personal journey. That's taken me five years to get a successful conviction. Um, I'm not sure of the stats specifically, but I think it is one of the few cases in Papua New Guinea where we've had a successful rape conviction without any medical evidence. And it was based on my statement alone, which was very detailed. And that's another thing I um, advocate openly on is down to those little basics in writing that statement. That document is what the police will use for an investigation and what a police prosecutor is going to use to represent you at committal court. And if your statement is not strong enough, if it has not captured the gravity of the assault and the situation and what happened to you, then the police cannot apply the appropriate charges. So the language and the details that, yes, can be traumatic to put down. It's so important to capture it so that this person can be held accountable. And so I think as a journalist um, and media, it was so important for me to use the platform that I have to amplify this issue because I already saw you know, a gap in information getting down to the public and the access that we have to certain people and certain agencies and organizations and individuals that sit in positions of influence you know we can question them we can challenge them and we have a better way of articulating the systems and processes in a more simpler way that the public can understand so in doing that from the police complaint up until the sentencing is what i've documented by social media every step every incident every threat every harassment every time i had to go and update something every time i had to follow up Every door that I've had to knock on within the judiciary or law enforcement space, I documented every step of the process um, because I also want to, to give back to the government my case in its entirety and say, these are your gaps, these are the loopholes, fix it. Because it is ridiculous to think that women and girls, you know, even male victims of violence, have to go through a process that takes this long just to get justice.